Hey everybody, hope you guys are doing well. Welcome back to my podcast. This episode is going to be based on the book of Esther. And I titled it, God Chose You, with the subtitle, Learning How to Deal with Conflict. If you've ever read the book of Esther, her story and her life, and and really got into the nitty-gritty of the background of her family, although, in a nutshell, you know, Esther came from, you know, uh, a family, she was made queen and she uh she helped freed her people right that's that's the story in a nutshell but when we look at Esther's life getting to the nitty-gritty looking at all the details and looking at what was spoken in the book and and reading it word for word um you can see that Esther's life was it was no fairy tale her life was not a fairy tale even though in a nutshell it can seem that way but if we dig deep, it wasn't, right? Esther was a normal girl, just like a lot of us growing up nowadays are, right? She had a family, but she also had a lot of family secrets, okay? One of the things that you can also discover with Esther is that she also had a lot of family drama, okay? And if if you really think about it in our time, and, and, and if you really try to look at her life, as present day, you know, forget being queen, forget being king, you know, forget being president. If you just look at her life in plain terms, in the beginning of the book of Esther, as they're describing her descendants and things like that, we see that um, Esther did not have any parents. Her mother and her father was not around. Now, I don't know if their parents was dead. I don't know if they were held captive. But I do know that in the book of Esther, it does describe her as not having any parents and her uncle had to raise her, right? That's that's a modern day um, display of a broken home, you know. And and in the book of of Esther, a lot of these women who were virgins were very young, so we can see that Esther um, she had to learn to deal with family conflict and certain type of com- conflict even from her childhood growing up, right? What happens when God chooses you, he chooses us, but we still have to learn how to deal with conflict in the midst of being chosen? It seems like being chosen, you think that, you know, God has us walking through favor throughout our whole lives. And that may be true for some people. And that may be true for you. That may be true for for me. But favor, when God blesses you with favor, when he blesses me with favor, when when there's favor on your life, when when people can see the blessings of God raining down upon you, it's not, it, it doesn't signify that we don't go through drama. It doesn't signify that we don't go through uh, our fears. It doesn't mean that we don't go through conflict or, or trying to to be a mediator within the circumstances of our lives. It doesn't mean that. Conflict is present in life day to day. Favor and God's blessing doesn't mean that we don't have that. But what God is trying to teach us is, is that when we when we want favor, when God gives us favor, we have to learn how to balance conflict and favor, dealing with conflict and, and accepting favor, you know, um, 
learning how to come up with conflict resolutions and, and still learning how to accept the favor that God has for you on your life. Just like with Jesus, you know, when he walked this earth, he was blessed. He was Jesus. He was God himself in the flesh. But Jesus still had to deal with conflict. And not only did he have to deal with conflict, every day brought a new challenge. And he had to learn how to deal with conflict. So you want God to use you. You know that God has chosen you. Get ready to be able to accept that there's going to be some type of discomfort coming out of your comfort zone, dealing with conflict, because with every favor that comes upon your life, there's going to be conflict that you're going to have to deal with. We see with Esther that there was power in using her voice at a certain amount of time and at a certain point in time, but there's there was also power in her silence, right? There's a time when we speak and there's a time when we're quiet. And then there's a time when we're praying and there's a time when we're being still. There's a time when we're singing praises to God and then there's a time when we're fasting and praying. Esther had to learn through her uncle when to be quiet and when to speak. If you go back in the the beginning uh, chapters of the book of Esther, you see that her uncle charged her multiple times to be quiet. He kept saying, Esther, be quiet. Be quiet about our family secrets. Be quiet that, you know, we come from a certain background. Basically, um, her uncle was, was that family member that that cautioned her. Now, this is different than um, harboring family secrets. You know how you have those generational curses that goes on within a family and you're wondering why the grandmother didn't say nothing, the, the mother didn't say anything, the daughter didn't say anything. You know, you had that one that one uncle or cousin that kept, you know, doing whatever to certain family members, you wonder why they keep things a secret. It's not like that. What what God was leading Esther's uncle to do was 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 Esther's uncle had wisdom that God had given him to to know when to tell her to be quiet because at the time who she was finna marry, the king that she was finna marry, um, they didn't take lightly uh, they, they were not kind to her people, right? So this must mean that she didn't look like where she came from. Now, was she mixed? Who knows? Because back then, just like nowadays, you know, when a particular people, you know, like Asians or like African-Americans or like Africans or uh, Italians or Spanish people, you know, when they're born, our genetics are so strong. Sometimes you can look at us and know where we come from. You know what bloodline we come from. So if Esther was able to blend in and she was able to 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 not reveal who her family was in, in her bloodline that she came from because they had no dealings with her type of people, this this lets me know um that maybe she was mixed. Maybe she didn't look like what she her bloodline, you know, maybe she could blend well. This is another reason why um her uncle told her, Hey, don't tell um he, her uncle knew the favor that God would show upon her life. So there's power in speaking when we need to speak. And then there's power in being silent. Everything has a season. Everything has a time. Jesus even charged his disciples um, at certain points during his walk um, not to reveal who he was at times. 
And it wasn't that Jesus wanted his disciples to deny him as Christ. Jesus was saying there's certain things that you just don't reveal because there are certain people who cannot handle the truth, whether the truth is bad or good, right? Esther's truth was bad in their eyes, but Jesus' truth was good in everyone's eyes. So it doesn't matter if the truth is is harsh or if the truth is good news. There is still a season for everything. And when God says, be quiet, be quiet. This is why we cannot always tell people everything that we're doing. We shouldn't be telling people out all of our moves and, and everything that we're going to do um, in the future because it doesn't mean that God isn't going to bless you to do it. God is saying that not everyone needs to know what it is that God has for you, right? And there is a time and a season under the sun, and we all know that. And we see that by Esther's life based on what her uncle had told her. Esther most likely had to deal with conflict before she even got to the palace because remember I said uh, Esther she didn't have any parents she was raised by her uncle as we see in the story and it makes you wonder you know what happened to both her parents you know what other secrets were her uncle keeping from her what what else did Esther know some of my main points that I want to mention and I want to start off with main point one God knew the family that we would be born into So there should be no shame or no rhyme as to why we were born in certain families that we were born into. You know, I know a lot of times we may grow up, you know, whether you're rich or poor, you had no family, whether you grew up in the foster foster system, it doesn't matter. You know, um, we all come from a background, good, bad, ugly, indifferent. Um, There's no shame. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. God knows the families that we would be born into. But he still calls us, you know, God has chosen all of us, regardless of our background. Everything that God calls is great. You can look at your outer circumstances and think that this isn't really the type of life that I kind of imagined to live. You know, you may look at your outer circumstances and and think, well, why couldn't I have so-and-so's life? You know, you may look at another person's life and think, man, only if I had their life, um, I would be much better off. None of us knows what other people go through behind closed doors. You know, whether you look at rich people's lives, or whether you look at celebrity celebrities' lives and think that, you know, they have all this money and they have all these material things and you know, you don't know the drama that they go through. You know, they have to pay lawyers. They have to they have to keep lawyers and, and you know, assistant managers and managers and, and an accountant. They have to have an accountant on their book. They have to, um, you know, pay for, you know, their brands, their marketing brands. They have to pay, you know, writers, producers and things like that. And there's always some type of budget in Hollywood. And there's always somebody you have to pay. So... Even though a, a celebrity's net worth may be like $800 million, they may have to pay yearly $200 million just to maintain who they are as a person for their brand. They got to pay these people. They got to pay lawyers. They have to, they have to pay for you know, their websites, their clothing lines, things like that. Like There's always something that's old. So even though you see people's lives from afar and you see people's lives in a picture, 
You don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You don't know the stress that people have to go through as celebrities. You don't know what, what it is like to be them. So you may look at someone's life and think, man, I wish I had that. Don't ever wish you had someone else's life because if it was meant for you to have that type of life, you would be there, right? God doesn't make mistakes. You know, I used to ask God, you know, why did I grow up where I grew up in and why wasn't I exposed to certain things? And as I've gotten older and as I've gotten wiser, God, God would slowly reveal to me why I couldn't be around a certain things, why I couldn't be around a certain people. And it's a good thing. And it turned out to be a good thing, although not that I necessarily saw it as a bad thing, but I just didn't understand. But through wisdom, through patience, through through understanding and through a deepening of my my knowledge, God was showing me that if I would have been exposed to X, Y, Z, it could have derailed me even further than the path that he had me take. So don't ever question the path that you're on, even if you made mistakes. God forgives. He forgives and he is merciful. He is gracious. And even in the midst of his favor and his call on your life, even in the midst of dealing with conflict, know that God does not make mistakes. Point number two I want to make, right, which leads into point two. The position that God has chosen for you and for me, it's not about you. It's not about me. But the position that God has chosen us to fulfill is about God's people. So when we get us out the way, when when we stop thinking things like, oh, this is uncomfortable for me. I don't want to do this. When we start thinking about us and we start thinking about God's people, when we start thinking about how we can take care of other people, then the burden will be lifted off of our shoulders because as we take care of God's people, as we take care of God's mission, God is going to take care of us, right? But as soon as we try to lose focus from God's people, and we try to bring that focus on us. When we try to become our own little gods, that's when God is going to back off and say, either you're going to let me take care of you or I'm going to let you try to take care of you and fail. So when we allow God and when we trust him and when we when we lay into his bosom and when we trust him to take care of us as we take care of his people, we're putting up the white flag saying, hey, God, I trust you. I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to. Trust that as I'm taking care of your people, as I'm listening to your voice, that you got everything else covered. And the more we trust God, the better I walk with Christ is going to be. And my sub point to the second key point, when I mentioned that it's not about us, but it's about God's people. God wants to speak to our brokenheartedness. He even wants to speak to the strong. God wants to speak to the courageous, the people who are brave. God wants to speak to us. In all stages in our lives. And he wants to guide us. And as we're going through this journey. And as God is guiding us. And and as we're realizing that. God has put us in positions for his purpose. When it's not all about us. It's about his people. Some of the distractions that can come our way. Is from Satan himself. And when the devil tries to whisper in your ear. You're good for nothing. You know, uh, who do you think you are to try to take this position? You know, who do you are to think that you can build this billion dollar company? Don't take the bait of Satan. It's a lie. Push all the, the, the thoughts aside that you cannot succeed, that you will not succeed. 
push aside the, the temptation to have a pity party for yourself. God cares about you and he always will and he always have. But if you're like some people, you know what I'm saying? If you're like some of us and you have been tempted with those feelings and those thoughts, when you, if you've ever noticed that when you have accepted those thoughts, that when you accept those thoughts of Satan, when you accept defeat, you start feeling like you're lonely. You start feeling loneliness. You start feeling emptiness. This is a sign that when you're accepting what the devil is giving to you, this is a sign that there are some vacant areas that need to be filled in your life by God. See, the devil can't never tempt you with something that you're not weak in. When you're strong in an area, the devil don't tempt you with with um with that. You know, if alcoholism doesn't run to your family and you've never drunk alcohol a day in your life and you don't even want to taste alcohol, the devil isn't gonna tempt you with uh with uh drinking alcohol because he knows that it's not gonna be anything to you right so the devil only tempts you with what's missing with what's a weakness in your you know in your life so just know that when you're being tempted if you can flip the switch and you can turn the tables on satan just think and remember the next time you're tempted to to take note of exactly what it is that you're being tempted with and that you know what god doesn't want you to walk in right Whatever it is that you're tempted with, that's a sign that that's an area that you need God to work on, right? And when you allow God to work on that area, when you allow God to build up your stamina, to build up your strength, to build up your courage, to build up that foundation, to to finally put uh, filling in that that hole, that void, and then and then finally having God uh, put uh plaster on that part of the wall to smooth it over to say you know what you're healed in this area you're filled up now I'm going to make this wall look whole and filled and complete okay so always keep note that whatever you're tempted with just know that that's a keynote for an area for, for God to work in and when God goes and fills these voids and when he fills up what what used to be empty Right, the devil's gonna attack you with something else, but don't be dismayed. The reason why the devil keeps attacking you is because he knows that God has a plan for you, right? Just like Jeremiah 29 and 11, God says in his word, plain as day, I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you, you know, to, to, to see you off in a better life. That's what God is saying. God is telling us through Jeremiah 29 and 11, God is saying, I know the life that I have for you. To prosper you. God wants to prosper us in all areas. Spiritually, financially, emotionally, mentally, physically. God doesn't want us to be so so filled up spiritually, yet we, we tear down our temple by not eating right, by not dieting, by not exercising. God wants to prosper us in all areas. God wants us to be well balanced out in all areas, right? And sometimes conflict doesn't have to be people. Conflict can be just allowing God to to fill all of our pillars with fullness, with grace, with prosperity, right? Because you can be strong emotionally, you can be strong spiritually, right? And then you can be strong mentally, but physically, if if you're you know you're not eating right and you're bringing upon yourself diseases and and um, high cholesterol, you're gonna be imbalanced, right? So eventually, uh. 
if you're not careful, having bad health can start to affect you mentally and emotionally. So eventually, those filled up other three pillars is going to be affected by the one pillar that's not full. So when God says that he has plans to prosper us, he means he wants us to be prospered in all areas. Because God represents fullness. He represents wholeness. God represents completeness. This is why he said he is the Alpha and the Omega. Because God is complete in and who he is. God wants us to be complete in our prosperity. So believe that that just because you have conflict doesn't mean that God does not want you to be fulfilled in all areas. He does. So get that thought out of your head that you have to be to be in balance in 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 order to uh to be to to walk this earth. No, don't take up the lies of the devil, right? When you feel yourself starting to feel certain areas that you were broken in with uh drugs, alcohol, stealing, committing uh dangerous acts, just think that there's a reason why the devil wants you to feel those voids with things that are temporarily but yet fast you know when you drink alcohol you know within a few minutes you know you're feeling buzzed you know you when you still you get a thrill you know like you're in control and 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 no one caught you no one no one can do anything about it you know when you commit dangerous acts you, you love this thrill of of danger you love the thrill of seeing how much you can get away with right that's that's the temptation to fill the void because it's almost instant gratification. And when you have to, to be instantly gratified, this is why you keep doing these things over and over and over and over. And this is why sometimes it takes years for these areas to be filled 20 and 30 years out of line. You wonder why some people are on drugs for 20 and 30 years and then they get healed for 17 years. You know, after 17 years of running the streets, they finally get healed. They finally get whole. Why? Because eventually you're going to get tired. Eventually you're going to, you're going to get tired of running and you're going to see that it's the same cycle over and over and over. And when you finally get tired and you say, you know what? I've been living in sin. I've been stealing. I've been doing drugs. I've been doing alcohol and it just leads back to the same thing over and over again. And yet I wake up with the same feelings over and over and over again. And this is why some people it takes a while for them to give their lives over to Christ because eventually after decades and decades and decades of running, they finally get their lives over, you know? So fight the good fight of faith. Push the negative thoughts aside. Push the temptation aside. Fight back with the word of God. And God will pull up a, he will pull up a shield against you, against, I mean, against your enemies. God will do that. If God is seeing that you're serious about the call that he has for you, God will pull up a shield. The devil may be tempting you, but if you pay attention, like I said, you know, at these setbacks, you can become wiser in these areas. And this is similar to, to, to Esther, you know, she almost lost it. If she had not been careful, you know, um, with the strong advice from her, uh, her people, mainly her uncle, because she had more than one person uh, taking care of her. Um, like Esther, you know, we're all being advised by God every step of the way. You know, through the precious Holy Spirit, when, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, you know what, you shouldn't call that person tonight. You should pray. You should read the Bible. You should study, you know, or 
You know, when God says, you know what, don't be petty today, Ebony. You don't got to write that message out on Facebook. You don't have to to um, have that attitude. You know, when God tells you, you know what, you don't have to uh, curse at that, that uh, the customer representative at the store because she didn't ring up your order right. You know, it's little things like that that God advises day to day that helps us move forward. You know, and just like with Esther and her uncle advising her, God advises us, and this is how he guides us step by step. And God wants us to, to um, how can I say it? Um, God wants us to be able to, to get to the, to the mature point in our Christian walk that it's not going to take three angels and a bullhorn and, and, and uh, you know, a shooting star to get our attention. God wants us to get to that point to where we get so trained at hearing his voice and listening to his voice that as soon as God, you know, speaks, we're quickly to be obedient, you know, but it's going to take some time and give yourself enough grace to to build up that spiritual stamina with God so that way you can hear him. You can hear him as you're walking out the calling that he has for you. Because remember, like I said, God chose you. He chose me. And in the midst of conflict, there's going to be a fight, right? There's going to be a fight to try to get you to be distracted. But don't be. But the reason why the devil wants us to, to be distracted, the reason why the devil wants us to lose, right, is because the devil can't have it, right? If we If we look at Satan, right, we know that he cannot have what we have and what we possess because the only people who can who can possess the things of God is the children of God. The devil can't possess God's blessings because he does not have the authority to take on what God has called. So don't ever think that the devil can have your things. The devil can have your stuff. The only way that the devil can steal your things is by distracting you because if the devil had a right to take our stuff, he would, he would be taking our stuff a long time ago and he wouldn't need to be bothering us. That's how you know that the devil doesn't have authority over our, our things. We have authority over our things. This is why the, the devil tries to distract us and he tries to deter us and for us to make mistakes and to live in sin because he knows that we are the only ones that are standing in between us and God. The devil can't have our stuff. He can't, he cannot have nothing that we have, but he will work his best and he will try his best to get us to mess up. Which leads me into the other thing. When God chose you, he had separation in mind, right? There's, there's certain things that God has in mind when he calls us. And one of those things is separation. Esther, in the book of Esther, Esther and many of the women were together in the king's palace. And this was for a reason. They were young and they were all separated from their families. And they were all virgins, right? But they were separated for a purpose. Their separation, they had to be separated from their families and they had to live in the palace for a year. But during that year time frame, um, it wasn't just a, a walking apart. They had to be trained they had to be groomed to, to, to be queen because you have to have a certain mindset to be a queen. You have to you have to learn the rules of that region. You know, you have to learn, you know, the, the cities that you have authority over. 
you know, you have to learn customs and courtesies. You know, you have to learn, you know, uh, rules of engagement. They had to learn all of this and they had to learn how to act, how to act properly. Because remember, Esther came from a broken home. So that probably means that she didn't have all the mannerisms. And maybe she did, maybe she didn't. The Bible doesn't say that. But what I'm saying is, is that there were things that she had to learn. She had to be groomed for that role. So when God chooses us, he chooses a point in our time, in our lives, and in our walk. And with every every milestone we get to, God has to separate us on a spiritual side and sometimes physically from people. This is why before you're married, there's a season of, of, of separation within your single walk with Christ that you have to go through to prepare you for the role to be married. It's funny how people think that when you're married, you prepare yourself to be married. But no, when you're single, you're preparing yourself. If it's in God's will for you to be married, when you're single, you're preparing yourself for when you get married. Right. Let me say that again. When you are single, you're preparing yourself for when you get married as if you were already married. So when God separates you, don't get mad. Don't get sad. Don't don't get hurt. Don't 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 uh think, you know, man, my friends are out partying, they're going to the club, they're having so much fun. And and you can't party and drink all your life. Because what happens when you drink too much alcohol, eventually you're not gonna have any kidneys and liver, right? You can only do wrong but for so long. But when you live right, you, you live long on earth, right? So you may think that you're missing out now, but in the long run, when you stick with God, what he has for you is going to be worth setting aside those 10 to 15 years getting caught up with the wrong crowd. So when God separates you, be happy because know that in your separation season, that's also your preparation season. The the, the women in, in the book of uh, Esther, they were separated for a specific purpose, and that was to be the king's wife, like I was explaining they, they had to learn the rules of engagements and et cetera. And God may not be telling you or or whoever else, you know, he may not be telling you that you're going to be a husband or wife. It's not meant for everybody on earth to be married. There are there are some people that it's, it's meant for them to be single, you know, and there's meant for some people to be married for a period of time. And, and then after a while, you know, maybe their spouses die or maybe they separate. Maybe the, the other part of their lives. God wants them to be single, but for whatever reason, if God is not calling you to be a wife or a husband for separation, it doesn't matter. God still separates you for the purpose that he has for you. So whether he's preparing you to be married, whether he's preparing you for ministry, whether he's preparing you for um, a job that he wants you to have, separation is required, right? Separation is required for elevation, and even if our purpose um, wasn't any of that, right? Say like if you was just regular old plain Mary Jane, right? God still has to call you for separation, even if it's to be committed to Christ, right? Sometimes you have to have that alone time. You know, look at Jesus. There were times when he was physically separated from his disciples. Jesus was not around his disciples 24-7. There were times when Jesus went up to the mountain for hours and prayed by himself. So separation requires elevation, but there's not, nothing wrong with being separated, right? The next key point um, that I have is that when God separates you from all of the things that you're familiar with, 
all of your familiar surroundings, the feeling that you feel uh, is your comfort, is your discomfort in a new uh, zone, right? You got to get used to a new comfort zone. And, and then getting used to a new comfort zone, you're going to feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that's, that's perfectly okay, right? You're in new territory. You know, this is the, the separation that is requiring elevation is a new territory for you. But my word for you in that is, is that even though it's new territory for you, just know that it's your territory. So you got to walk like you own that territory, even if you feel uncomfortable. Whatever God gives you, know that you have the authority to walk it. So it may be new territory for you, but you better walk like you own it, right? Where God is calling you to, there are going to be a lot of people who cannot go. And there are going to be some people who they might not, they may not even understand why they, they feel the need to latch on to you. But that could be a Jezebel spirit. That could be a manipulation spirit. That could be a codependency spirit. They will try to latch on, latch on to you. And no matter how much they try to latch on to you, no matter how much it's going to hurt your feelings, you have to kick them off the island. They have to go. They cannot come. Key point number two, God's purpose calls for elevation. Your purpose in life will cause for you to be elevated to the next level. And when God is calling you to be elevated to the next level, that means what elevation means, what going higher if you're weighted down with anything that God doesn't have called you to have, um, you're not going to be able to, to, to elevate properly. And God isn't going to move you up until you get rid of those things, right? Just think about it like this. Say you had, let's see, say you had a million dollars, right? And you wanted to bless one of your friends with some money. But you didn't, you don't like the people that they hang out with because you feel like they're, the people who your friend is hanging out with is a distraction. They're, they're no good and, and, uh, they're not around for the right reasons, right? You want to bless them. But you know that as soon as you bless your friend with money, the people that are around her that are no good for her is either going to ask for money, like she's supposed to hand it out or he's supposed to hand it out, or, she or he is going to end up giving it to their group of friends and you don't want them wasting money on people who don't have potential, right? Because you don't want to give away something that's great to someone who can, who can do a lot with it. But because they're around people that are distracting them, they're going to waste their blessings. This is how God is with us. He doesn't want us just around anybody because when he starts blessing us, when he starts elevating us to the next level, allowing us to have divine connections, those people are going to eventually mess up the blessings for that person, for us, for you, for them. Why? Because there are going to be some people, they're not of the household of faith. There are going to be some people who God has them on a different journey. He, he's not going to have them stop off on floor eight. Maybe they were supposed to get off at, at floor two. And then whoever else God said they're going to get off at floor 12, right? So just be careful of the people, uh, you know, in your circle, the people who you're surrounded, you know, by. So when God is getting ready to elevate you, just know that when you give it over to him, when you, when you put your, your friends at the, the altar of Jesus, when you put your money at the altar of Jesus, anything that can be a distraction 
from being elevated when you put it at the altar of Jesus' feet. Part of being discomforted is going to be realizing that, you know what, everything cannot go with you to the top. But what God has for you on the other side is going to be greater and better than what you lost. And your loss is going to be worth their gain, right? It's like an investment. Your elevation will cause chit-chat amongst the heathens, amongst the wolves, amongst fake co-workers. Amongst unqualified uh, bosses. And just bear with God. Bear with him. Be be on God's side. Understand that your elevation is also going to bring out people who are going to talk and say, you know what? You don't deserve that. You don't deserve such and such. But they're not God. They don't know the God that you serve and they don't know you. So just bear with God because all of this is going to work out for his purpose. Trust me on this. In this part of your season, you will also have to uh, toughen up a bit because you're going to have to walk past people who have barked for no bite. You're going to have to walk past people who they're going to roll their eyes. They're going to chit chat and they're going to say, you don't deserve this. You don't deserve that. So you're going to have to have tough skin. You're going to have to learn how to look people dead in the eye and say, you know what? You may not think that I deserve this. And by sin and by a sinful nature, you don't deserve it. But tell people by the blood of Jesus Christ, by by being joint ends with Jesus Christ, I deserve everything that Jesus has. Right. Be confident that you are a child of God. Be confident that you are joint ends with Christ. Everything that Jesus has, we have everything that Jesus has, you have. So as Christians, I believe that we should stop going around saying, you know, I don't deserve that. No, you do deserve it. Because in God's word, he says that you are now joint heirs with Jesus Christ. When you're joint heirs, you get everything that that person has. Love, joy, peace, meekness, forgiveness. Everything that Jesus has, we have. Right? Just like how we have to, we have to own a new territory that we're walking in. We have to own the title joint heirs with Christ. Own it. Own that title. Be confident. Walk with your head held up high. Say you deserve it. You say say you deserve every comma that's going to be in your bank account in the next year. You deserve it. Every plane ride you're going to take to preach the gospel, you deserve it. Because your joint ends with Christ. Jesus didn't die for us to keep saying, oh, I don't deserve what God has given me. Yeah, you do. Because if you didn't deserve it, God wouldn't have given it to you. We deserve everything that God has for us. That's the devil getting into your mind. Thinking that you don't deserve something isn't humility and it isn't meekness. Humility and meekness is knowing that what God has for you is for you, but because of Jesus Christ, right? So so own your territory. Own the things that God has for you. Own that you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I own it. I own the fact that I'm joint heir with Jesus Christ. I know everything that God has for me. Is mine and can't nobody have it, can't nobody take it. My name is written on it, period, dot, point, blank. I don't care how, how nobody feels about it. Own it. Own everything that God has for you. And don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed, you know, um, by by the things that you think that people can do. You know, don't, don't be afraid. And this goes into uh, key point number three. God's purpose requires acceptance, right? Not only are we going to have to be separated, 
not only are we going to have to be elevated, but we have to accept the call that God has on our lives. Because the Bible also says that few are, are uh, many are called, but few are chosen. Why? Because not everybody is willing to walk the walk. And I'm not going to even sit here and say, oh, everybody can't walk the walk because you can. With Jesus Christ on your side, being joint heirs with Jesus Christ, you can walk any walk that Jesus Christ walked. Because Jesus Christ said in his words that when he goes to the Father, when he had resurrected, greater works that we would do um, in, in him because he now goes to the Father. So every walk that we walk with Jesus Christ, we can accomplish. But not many people accept the call that God has for them. So God's purpose is going to require us to accept the call. Because God can say, hey, I called you to preach the gospel. But if you want to go drink yourself into a grave and, and, and put yourself in, 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 you know, into an early grave, then God's going to give you the free will to do that. You have a choice. You had a choice. If God called you to, to own multiple businesses and, and be a billionaire, but if you want to be tempted, um, you know, with uh, fraud and, and, and scams and, and pansy schemes, you can do that, too. But eventually you're going to go to jail. So if you don't live with integrity, you're not truly accepting a call that God has on your life. So know that God's purpose requires acceptance. It does no good to resist the will of God through fear. Through stubbornness, you know, we may all have our own reasons why we don't want to do the will of God. A lot of people think that doing God's will is boring. God is not boring. Living in sin, some sins may seem like fun. Living in some sin may seem like um, it's all that. And it may have its thrills, and I'm not going to lie, it does. It may have its thrills, but eventually... Sin is going to take you to an early grave. Eventually, sin is going to wear you out. And a lot of people think that, oh, God is boring. God is not boring. What's boring is religion. Religious people is boring. When you have rules saying what, what religion does, right? Religion says you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't wear skirt. You can't wear socks. You can't wear anything, you know, above your knees. You can't wear your hair down. You know, you can't wear anything that shows your shoulders. When you live in a religious mindset of you can't do this, you can't do that, that's a religious mindset. That's no fun. So when you think that God isn't fun, you're thinking of religion. You're thinking of all of the things that God may say no to, right? But having a relationship with Jesus Christ isn't about no, right? It's about boundaries because we all have boundaries. Boundaries and principles is what? For our protection. It's not for God's protection. It's not for Jesus' protection because they're already up there in heaven chilling. You know, probably uh, roller skating on gold gold uh, uh, floors, right, while we down here. So they just over there have roller skate rink parties and everything, you know, with the glass chandeliers and, and, and everything. We just down here. So boundaries and, and, and um, rules are for us. It's for us to obey. It's for our protection. God is not boring. So when you accept his will, just know that fear is not real. Your being stubborn is not worth it. And living for Christ is, so, is really exciting. You know, you get to be blessed. You get to bless people. You know, you get to, to, you get to hear God's voice. You get to hear him speak to you. You get to, to hear God tell you the next great thing you're going to do in life. 
You know, living for Christ isn't boring. Living for God is so much fun and it's so exciting, you know, that you just have to change your mind on how you think your relationship with God should go. And if you allow God to change your mind, you'll see that there's more to the Christian life than than religion. And God isn't about religion. Jesus was never about religion. Religion is for, for hypocrites. Just always know that, right? So let's continue on with Esther's story. Esther was a captive. Again, she had no mother. She had no father. And she may have been rebellious, right? Because why did her uncle have to keep telling her over and over, hey, don't tell the family secrets. Hey, don't do this. Hey, don't do that. Hey, I'm just checking on you because it said that uh, in the book of Esther that her uncle walked back and forth um, within the courts daily to check on her and, to, and to, to see how she was doing. Why was he so worried? Maybe there were certain things and qualities about her that she had to change because maybe like some of us, you know, maybe Esther could have blown it. Maybe she could have blown her cover, right? So she had to be guided. Esther was no different than us. She used to be a captive, you know. Her her background was brokenness. She didn't have her, her parents, you know. And some of you, you know, like I said before, some of you may can identify with Esther, you know. Some of you may can, and that's okay. Maybe your parents were in and out your life. Maybe your parents were not in your life. You know, like I said it before in the beginning, maybe some of you grew up in a foster home. You know, you can relate to her. And if you can relate to her, you can also relate to her hope. You can also relate to her future. You may be sitting here listening to my podcast thinking, I don't know what else God has for me. I don't know what else in life I'm, you know, in this life I'm supposed to do. But I guarantee you, if you get with God and if you stay on his side, he's going to tell you. He's going to reveal it to you. Okay? Just trust and have faith. Esther wasn't qualified. If you really look at her life and you look at the words in the Bible, Esther was not qualified. She didn't come from, um, she didn't have any parents. So what happens when, you know, you were raised by your uncle who probably didn't have a wife? You know, the Bible didn't say he had a wife. Because it said that he roamed the courts uh, daily. So he probably didn't have any, you know, a wife. He probably didn't have children, you know. So Esther probably didn't have that role model home that she grew up in. But yet God called her to be married. You may be thinking, I didn't have the model home growing up. I didn't have the, the, I didn't have the exposure to finances. You know, I didn't have the exposure to learning how to run a business. I didn't have the exposure to learning how to raise kids. It doesn't matter. Esther wasn't qualified, but God still called her. You look at your life and you may think you're not qualified, but God is still calling you. Go anyway. They probably talked about it, right? Oh, with this no parent person over here thinking she's going to marry to a king. They probably was hoping that she didn't get married to the king, but guess what? Boom, she got married to the king. Right? And they probably chit-chatted about her. They probably thinking about, you know, Oh, she ain't got no parents. Oh, she come from slave folks. Because remember, Esther's story and her background was that uh, she she uh, came from slaves. She came. She used to be held captive, right? And they're going to talk about you, too. Just like they did Esther. You know, they're going to talk about where you came from. They're going to talk about who you used to hang out with. They're going to talk about the things that you used to do. There are people who are going to to remember the the stuff you used to do 10, 15 years ago, and they still going to bring it up. You're going to be married, whole, 
preaching the gospel, healing the sick, healing the blind, you know, um, you know, blessing people financially. And they still talking about that, that time when you were single and when you was running the streets and, and, and they divorced three times, you know, kids out of wedlock and they still talking about what you used to do, right? People going to talk about you, but it doesn't matter, right? It don't matter. They're going to talk about you from when they knew you in high school, right? They're going to talk about how you used to dress and who you used to hang out with. Who cares? It don't matter. It does not matter. Let them talk. Let them say whatever they want. But God is going to show you favor. Esther was highly favored. It said that in the book of Esther, if you go back and you read it, it kept saying over and over that Esther was highly favored. She had favors in the king's eyes. She had favor um, in the maiden's eyes. Um, she had favor with the maidens and even with the other women who were, they were competing with her to be married to the king. She even had favor with them. God is going to show you favor. But throughout all of this, the thing that Esther had was conflict. Not only did, did Esther have out of conflict, you know, would not coming from the great background, would not having a tool. She wasn't qualified. She probably didn't have a good education because she was captive. And what happens when you're captive, when you're bound, you're limited, you're limited in your knowledge, you're limited in your exposure. She probably felt like she didn't, Esther probably felt like she didn't deserve to be there, to be honest with you, right? And that's like some of us, when God puts us in a room full of people who have like, they have doctors before their names, they're lawyers, they have they have credentials and all this stuff. And here you are at the table with just the name your mama gave you, right? You may feel like you're unqualified. But sit at the table anyway, because Esther was favored in a conflict that she may not necessarily had on the outer circumstances. I also think that Esther had conflict within herself, right? Here she is in a king's palace being prepped for a year and she's probably having all types of doubts, you know, thinking that she's not qualified. She didn't come from a great background. Um, she, she, she probably had to learn. She had to probably pay attention to more to what she was being taught because of her limited exposure, um, based on her, her captivity. And she probably was the only one from her kind, uh, competing to be the king's wife. So she probably was, was the, the least educated, right? So conflict does not also, is that con, having conflict does not necessarily mean that you have conflict on the outside. What I think God is trying to say is, is that we can have conflict on the outside, but I think sometimes the conflict that we have to learn how to navigate is a conflict that we have on the inside, and that's our voice. That's what we tell ourselves. You know, how do you speak to yourself when you wake up? Do you tell yourself you're good enough? Do you tell yourself, you know, um, you can have that? You know, I remember someone mentioned to me and it was like, you know, you should do, um, you know, uh, the audio book for, you know, some of the books that you've written because I've written a few books. And, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that, you know, because I'm, I'm that type of person. Like, I'm like Mariah Carey. Like, Mariah Carey cannot, she, well, she stated in one of her interviews that, she doesn't really like listening to her voice. I'm one of those people who I really would not want to listen to a playback of me talking because I just feel like I have one of those voices that, ah, you know, some people like it, some people don't. But I wouldn't want to just listen to it day and night. But, you know, that's that's one of those things that I had to change my mind about. And I had to say, you know what? I have the voice that God has given me. I sound this way for a reason. My voice is unique. Everybody's voice is unique. 
And I had to learn to accept my voice. And that was my inner conflict for a while was that, you know, I didn't necessarily, not necessarily dislike how I sounded, but not necessarily accepting how I sound. But it's just one of those things where you realize it's an inner conflict. It's not an inner turmoil, but it's an inner conflict of what God has called me to do versus how I see myself. So when you look at Esther's life, not only did she have to face conflict on the outside, hiding who she really was, she probably had to face conflict within herself, learning how to navigate and learning how to deal with who she truly was and knowing that who she truly was wasn't acceptable amongst the people who were closest to the king. And it wasn't that she was denying who she was out of shame. She had to deny part of who she was to fulfill God's purpose. It wasn't that she was trying to bamboozle anybody. It was because God wanted her there. God wanted her to keep her um, identity a secret for that purpose. Because what was God's purpose for her? He wanted to use her to set his people free, right? So I hope that you guys enjoy this podcast. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And um, just remember, you know, some of the key points that I mentioned with the call that God has on your life, you know, the things that God has chosen for you, the life that God has chosen for you, um, is going to require you to deal with conflict. We're dealing with conflict every day. But just because we're dealing with conflict doesn't mean that we're not favored. And remember that the call that God has on your life is going to call for separation. It's going to cause for elevation. It's going to cause for um, acceptance and it's going to require you to to grow and to learn and to step outside of your comfort zone. You're going to be stepping into new territory and you have to own that territory. Own it because Jesus Christ has has given you authority in his name and through his name and by his blood. He has given you authority to walk and to tread over serpents. And to tread into new territory and to own it, right? So as long as you keep in your mind that you're going to have to be separated from things that are familiar. You're going to have to be elevated. Not a lot of people can go with you. You're going to have to accept that this is the call that God has on your life. You can't walk in fear. You can't walk in stubbornness. You can't allow rebellion to, to get the best of you, right? And, and walk in your territory and walk like you own it. So I'm praying that this episode was a blessing to you, that it is a blessing to you, that it will be a blessing to you in the future. I hope that you learned learned a lot because I enjoyed uh, reading the book of Esther. And I may do a part two to this. I don't know. But in the meantime, y'all be blessed. Y'all can go check out my website at www.ebonyhbrooks.com. Check out my website. Check out my blog. I don't blog daily, but I do blog often. Um, if you want to check out my books, um, it is time. What's your fish? The story of Jonah and Felling forward into God's purpose is being reworked right now. It will be available on Amazon, Bonds and Nobles, Christian uh, Books uh, dot com, all that jazz and Amazon. So if you go on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and you search for it, search for my name, Ebony Hollis Brooks, those books will come up. And of course, thank you guys. Again, for checking out my podcast and listening to me uh, talk and speak the word of God and teach you guys some new things. So you guys take care and have a wonderful and blessed the rest of your July. Bye bye.